You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 3 of the show, titled Annie Falle. If you have not watched through Season 4, Episode 3, please pause this and go catch up. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon or patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet and pledge as little as a dollar a month. To make our network even better, special thanks to Corey Z, Alan K, Tom Z, Jason K, and newcomer David O, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Thank you all. We love you very much. We very much appreciate your money, as well as the money of the people who are not at the $10 per month level. So thank you. Uh, yeah, I have a, a correction. Nobody sent it in. I sent it in. This is a correction from Alex M. To correct Alex, <laughs> who said that Lisa Joy was no longer showrunner of the show. That's not true. Uh, I don't know if Jonathan Nolan is still considered a co-showrunner, but I saw a THR article, Hollywood Reporter article, that said that Lisa Joy and Allison Shapker are co-showrunners. Uh, Allison Shapker, also an executive producer. And I believe I talked about Denise Thay, who yes. wrote on last season. She is she is still an executive producer. She is also still a writer. She wrote one of the upcoming episodes of this season as well. But she is not a co-showrunner, as far as I know. Uh, so just a little correction there. Thank you, Alex, for writing in. Yes, thanks, Alex. Uh, we did get some feedback. I invoked a name. Mark F. wrote in. He said, hey, Alex and Nick, great to have the two of you back in my podcast feed on a regular basis. To be honest, as we got closer to the start of Westworld Season 4, I had been wondering if you were going to keep up with the podcast. I was happy to see your recap for Episode 1 download. Congratulations to both of you on the new additions to your respective families. Thank you, Mark. Very yes, thanks. thanks, Mark. I went back to the last time I emailed the show at the end of Westworld Season 3. Despite some sloppy writing during that season, I was generally happy with where it went. I'll admit to being a little disappointed at the first two episodes of this season that there was a multi-year time jump from Season 3. Just based on some of the dialogue that Maeve and Caleb had early on and some other hints to what happened, i.e. the graffiti on the wall outside of Caleb's house, I'm really curious to know some of the details regarding the immediate aftermath of the Season 3 finale. I'm hoping that we'll get some flashbacks or something to fill out that information. Aside from that, I'm generally happy with the first two episodes, and I'm kind of excited to see them go back into the park with a roaring 20s backdrop. I'll admit, though, uh, that what came to mind at the end of Episode 2 as Maeve and Caleb entered Temperance was an episode from Season 2 of the original series of Star Trek called A Piece of the Action, which had a similar setup. The crew ended up on a planet that was a version of the same era, complete with mob bosses and gangsters wielding Tommy guns. I think it's safe to say that Maeve's and Caleb's experiences in Temperance are not going to be anything like what Kirk and Spock experienced in that Star Trek episode. Uh, one last thing, I'm liking your bit of gaming talk that you've had, uh, you've been having at the start of your first two recaps. At the end of Season 3 of Westworld 2020, I just started playing console games the first Uncharted, on an old hand-me-down PS3, and now as Westworld Season 4 begins, we have a PS4 as well, and I've gone through Uncharted 1 and 2, The Last of Us Part 1, and I'm almost done with Uncharted 3. Bioshock is waiting in the wings, I gotta admit, it's a lot of fun, just wish I had more time to devote for, for it. Take care, guys. Mark. <sighs> Mark, thank you for writing in. Very thank nice you, to Mark. hear from you. 
Oh, yeah. Stop playing Uncharted 1. <laughs> well, he beat it already. He's on the 3. <laughs> uh, good. 3's good. Four, I still really enjoy 4, and I'm glad you've played through 1, 2, and 3 because you will enjoy 4 more. So please, make sure you check out Uncharted 4. And The Lost Legacy is also very good. Save it for the end, Alex. No. Mark gave us direction. No. I'm <clears> well, going to start where cut, I want to start. cut this out and put it at the I'm end. I'm going to eat the middle of the donut first <laughs> and then go to the outside of the donut. What would that look uh, like? I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Do you have a donut? I cut the middle out. I use a, I use a glass. Like when, you're, when your uh, parents would make you eggs in a raft, I take a glass and I stab through the donut. Eggs in a raft? Yeah, you remember that? That's the first time I've heard it called that. Really? Because yeah. I used to call it eggs in a giraffe because I didn't know what eggs in a raft meant. That is also the first time I've heard it called that. What did you hear it called? What, what was it in your household? I, well, we didn't have that. We didn't, nobody made that for us when we were growing up. So I, uh, hmm. but I started making that when I was in like college, I think. And I, I don't remember what I called it, but the only thing I can think of now is what my wife Egg calls it. bread. <laughs> my, my wife calls it a toad toad in the hole, ah, which is okay. like another term for it. And so that's all I can think of now. I don't know what I all called right. it back then. I think it was one day I was probably drunk and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And this is, this is yolk bread. I've made yeah. yolk bread. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what, what, what went I down? I really want to know now. In that house on Ferndale. <sighs> Um, the house in Ferndale, not on Ferndale. Uh, yeah, Mark, I'm we there is a whole podcast on this network about video games that if you're not already listening to, you should absolutely check out now that they are about to go on in hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> we will you be got, back. You got like a it's five just... year or six year catalog, Backlog, of, yeah. uh, yeah, and it's it's really good. And it, I think Alec, we like. Just got to Uncharted three toward no PS four was out by the time we started, but yes, you know, yeah. I what think year I did played you guys Uncharted three that? late? Uh twenty fourteen. Oh my god! Late twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen. Wow. We are coming up on ten years of the Midwest Podcast Network in August. That's true. Yes, and I would like to do something for that, but that's a subject we can discuss offline. Sure. Um. Yeah. But anyway, I'm always down to talk games. Uh, and you know what? I'm. It's cool that Mark is diving into stuff that might be considered a little bit older at this point. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, I've been a big fan of like patient gamers. Then I found that subreddit like years and years and years ago. I was like, oh, this is great. But back then, I had the time to stay up to date on whatever was new. Like back mm-hmm. then, I still pre-ordered games. And I would still buy a $60 game and play it. And now I am actually living the patient gamer's lifestyle. Where, I mean, I... Newsflash. I just beat a little game, a hot little game called Titanfall 2. (laughs) Which I think has been out for like six years or something. Um, And I probably have owned it for like three of those six years. But anyway, I just beat it and I had a great time with it. And I almost like, as I was playing it, I just kind of told myself, it's like... Uh, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> that game is very good. It was, it was, it was, it was a little bit, uh, you know, um, it, it felt a little like that even at the time of like, they don't make them like they used oh, to. Oh, I, I have no doubt. Cause as I was playing it, I felt like this reminds me of being 
in high school and playing the first Halo campaign. Like it's got that mm-hmm. kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But Mark, if you've never played the Bioshock games, um, I'm very, I want to hear all about it. Like right in. Oh, and yeah. even if this, even if Westworld FM is done for the season and you're still playing or whatever, write an email and like, let us know. Cause I, I love, I love those games. I actually still haven't beaten two. I started, there's another one. I started playing it uh, not too long ago and I got, I think about halfway through and I was mm-hmm. super into it, but it's one of those game video games at this point in my life are like, if I don't, if I don't build it into my routine, like if I skip it for a night, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go back. Like I'll just yeah. find other stuff to do or I will fall, start falling asleep instead, which is what I should be doing anyway. But anyway, this has been an episode of whatever we're going <laughs> to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I mean, honestly, if you want some more suggestions, Mark, we can certainly, uh, Oh yeah. So, let us know what you what you need, and we'll, yeah, especially we'll get now to that it. you have a PS4. We both have PS4s. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. a PS5 now. Yes, which Alex, Alex facilitated the purchase of, which I was did. helpful. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I installed Deathloop, Alex. I'm excited to play it. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure I will. It's uh, it, it's a very fun game. Yeah, and there's a Midwest Gamers episode about it. Please go check it out if anybody's curious. Uh, proceeding backwards through the donut uh, Star Trek episode called "A Piece of the Action." I've never seen this episode, unfortunately. So you I said it was the original it. series. Oh, it was Kirk it's and the Spock. original yeah, series, yeah, yeah. season two. Okay. Uh, you know, and honor. I think Space Seed is also season two, but I've been I've been very piecemeal with the original series that I've uh, that I've observed. And so this is not one that I've honestly, I was thinking more of like, I think there's next generation episodes that take place in their VR room that are very gangster oriented. I remember seeing the photos of oh, Patrick Picard. Stewart in yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the gangster get up. Yeah, that's so right. I'm curious if that stuff also rings kind of similar to this. Um, but no, yeah, you'll have to write in and let us know, Mark, if there was anything that seemed to draw a, uh, draw similarities between the two but yeah no i think the time gap i i'm hoping we're gonna explore the time gap a little bit and i don't know if we will because eight episodes feels like not many especially when we're just now catching up with bernard in the third one you know Uh, yeah that feels like uh it feels like they they need to be pretty specific about what they spend time doing so i guess we'll find out but I, i feel like it would be weird to just jump and not to explore things a little more fully, but I know there's also kind of like, I can't, I can't think of what it would be for season three, but season two had the Akechita episode, which kind of caught you up to Akechita in season two's time frame, Right. Mm-hmm. And so they like to do these kind of sprawling, bigger episodes that can go backwards through time and bring you up to where you are. And I'm curious if maybe, you know, they got to talk about what happened between Maeve and Caleb. If Caleb, you know, almost died, it seems pretty clear that he is definitely a human at this point, but he yeah. almost died. Or maybe he's not a human. And the beginning of this episode is the fly is not taking because he's not a human. Oh, well, that would the be the beginning of the next episode. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But no, Mark, thank you for writing in. Uh, Nick, any other thoughts on Mark's email? No, he just reminded me that I, uh, I, I would like to watch more Star Trek. Like I'd, I would think I'd really like to be more into Star Trek and the, the, the new, the current series with Anson Mount uh, 
looks really appealing. Like I want to check mm-hmm. that out. And he, he actually has two, two of them right now, right? Discovery and strange new worlds. Is that what they're called? Yeah. He started as, um, he's cause he plays captain Christopher Pike, who was yeah. a character in the original series. Right. Uh, and Bruce Greenwood and, was him in the new, in the Abrams movies. Yes. He was the captain of the enterprise before James Kirk. And, um, and yes, so they brought him in on discovery and then they spun him out into, uh, what's the name of the new show? Strange New Worlds, I think. Strange New Worlds, which is supposedly more of a like back to basics monster of the week kind of formula for the Star Trek series. Um, so, sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. I I like t- I was talking to Tim about it, who he was kind of like, you should probably check the show out because I think it's exactly what you would want out of a news. Because I kind of bounced off of Discovery very hard. Really? I watched like two episodes and I was like, I don't care about this at all. Um. Can you but think I of any particular reason? N- no, it's just um, not really. No, and it's been so long. I don't even want to try to speak to my thoughts on it. But it, it, okay. I, it was one of those things that I was like, I always wanted to go back and give it another shot. Um, and I have Paramount Plus, and I've just never done it. I got it off of like a deal for my cell phone or some crap. So, you sure. know, maybe at some point. Add another subscription service on. Yes, yes. Uh, but yes, thank you, Mark. I'm trying to think if there's anybody, any other names I can invoke. I know, uh, uh, Katrine was someone who wrote in quite a bit for, uh, for Westworld sure. season, uh, season three, I think, or maybe season two. Um, but yeah, anybody else out there, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you're up to and your thoughts on the latest season of Westworld. Uh, episode three, Anifale, uh, means it's in, it's a French term and it means, the crazy years, which is what they used to describe the 1920s, a lot like the roaring 20s or the jazz age in the United States. And, and uh, he is a great director with an impeccable filmography. <laughs> loved, loved Dune, loved Prisoners. <laughs> yes. Loved Arrival. Yes. Uh, Mr. Fala, very good. Very good director. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> that is a joke for approximately 2% of people. Uh, in the world, not two percent of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a hundred percent probably overlap will be significant. <laughs> we'll see uh, after he becomes a household name after Dune Two sweeps the Oscars. Yes, yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't know if it'll it be should. Good. Uh, it might be. Who knows? Yeah, so that's the title of the episode. Very much seems to be in line with you know the fact that we're spending time in Temperance in 1920s style westworld park and uh more on that shortly uh and then before we get into the recap i just want to say i still love the very like artful dialogue lax next or last time on segments before the show yeah they're really cool they're very well edited and i hope whoever puts those together is handsomely paid because they do a very good job of doing that they set a real tone of like kind of foreboding too they're really in, kind of intense they they do a good job of getting me in the right state of mind they like build a momentum yeah. that most things that are a minute long cannot do yeah it's very strange um and it's good and I mean, I we've like always we've always and oh and always will continue to i think praise the the production of this show and like the visuals and and the design but the sound design is always so good and there's like the music and the actual like um, 
audio and sound effects and such. And there, and there's, there's some sort of tonal quality to those mm-hmm. intros that kind of like, I don't know, they just get, they just burrow their way in and make, they're, be, they're make the playing the brown note to make you, <laughs> basically to make you feel it. And is, your, is that body. why I poop every time I watch what's <laughs> Yes. They got me. That's the reason. Uh, all right. Let's get into our episode recap. I tried to be, I tried to do one sentence per section here, and I have a lot of notes. So if you have any questions about what happened in this section, please let me know. Okay. But we'll do. here's my one sentence for the, the first part of the cold open. Bernard awakens in the sublime and learns that all paths to save the real world end in his death. Um, we get a 235 to 1 aspect ratio. We know we're in a simulation. That's what it means in Westworld. Uh, and, and it's the sublime. There's a lot of like interesting world building done in just the conversation that he and Akechta have in this, this first scene here. Uh, once again, love seeing Zan McLaren again. Uh, yeah. Very much uh, so cool. reminds you of one of the best episodes of the show, I think. He's so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we walk through a lot of surreal imagery in the sublime. It seems like Bernard kind of like takes a walk through the past and a catch that even asks him like, why are you still stuck on this loop? And, you know, and, and then they finally have the conversation of like, there's a lot of information here. You can learn a lot about your world's future, study it, go forth, do what you're going to do. Um, what did you think about this, this catching back up with Bernard and what he's been doing while playing on his VR headset in the motel? The, but <laughs> Yeah, uh, just playing Surgeon Simulator for years. Um, <laughs> the Bernard storyline is now the one that I am most interested in in the show, easily. Mm-hmm. I think it probably was before it even started, actually. like I, I was just, <laughs> I really wanted to know what was going on with him. And I think the, the gruesome twosome of him and uh, and Stubbs is so good. Yes. I think they're phenomenal together. But the whole, the the presentation of the Sublime was interesting. I got a lot of like kind of Tron legacy kind of mm. vibes of, of just kind of the the layout of it and a lot of the design and the idea that the the passage of time there is significantly different than it is here. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking that we're supposed to assume that when Bernard, what we see Bernard starting with there is immediately after he entered it. Yep. And that he has spent some untold amount of time there. Uh, yes researching and so we we just don't know how long he's been in there for so so the line that's in the episode is that uh i believe uh one year in the real world is a millennium in the sublime is what a catch says yes and so if we assume that we and we'll get into this more later on if we assume that bernard spent at least the seven years between season three and the other stuff we're seeing in season four, that's seven millennia that he's been studying different timelines. He's been Dr. Strange with the eye of Agamotto. So awesome. It's it's great. It's It's, really great. It's so great. Not to mention like, just like later on him being the like all knowing Bernard, Bernard, the all knowing moving through the world being like, you know, what is it? What does it remind me of? There's something in particular that I'm thinking of of like somebody reacting to things that they already know that are going to happen just in like a very like quick 
passe kind of way. I don't know. I'll have to think about that some more. Um, I know, I know, I know what you're saying too, because I thought the exact same thing. I was like trying to remember that to where like they're, there's like action sequences and they're, they're grabbing things they're going to need. I mean, there's like some, there's, well, I mean, Westworld has a lot of influences. I think that I was getting some kind of hints of like Terminator and like, mm. um, uh, 12 monkeys and, uh, I'm trying to think what, what, what the other specific one is. I know what you're talking about for sure. And it's going to come yeah. to me. Um, yeah. We'll text each other at two in the morning. Probably. Yeah. Cause we'll both be awake already anyway <laughs> with our kids. Um, yeah, but I, I, again, I remember at some point, I remember back in the day now, not an episode of probably any show that we do goes by without us mentioning Tron legacy in some regard. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember back when we saw that in theaters talking about like, well, what's the relationship and passage of time between the grid and the real world? And mm. I, I know that at some point I looked up and someone online had like done, had posited a theory on like had done the math. And it was also something like in the real world in the 30 so years or 25 years since he'd been gone, it was like several hundred I just grid. searched uh, Tron Legacy Time Intervals. First first hit, Reddit, Reddit thread from Rtron. I just did the math on how long time would feel relative to Kevin Flint if he was stuck on the grid for 20 real years, and it's unbelievable. So, uh, in Tron Legacy, Kevin tells Sam the portal's open for only a millisecond, about eight hours here. And the person uh. says, 0. .001 real seconds is about eight grid hours. One real second is 8,000 grid hours. Number of seconds in a real year, 31 million, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Kevin Flynn lived through, let me count these zeros, one, two, three, four, five, six, 576 million years on the grid. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't think Beautiful. it was that high. That's, this, is what the, this is what this guy says. Oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I believe it. If if they're actually pulling the data out of the movie, I knew the movie had set some sort of scale that someone could calculate. Mm -hmm. it on. I thought it was like 800 years or something. Okay. Yeah. Some. I mean, there's another comment here that says something about uh, uh, Caster brings up a line and says, how long you've been searching for this clue? Uh, about a thousand cycles. And then one one thousandth of a cycle is eight hours. One cycle is 8,000 hours. 8,000 hours is 333 days. So one cycle is roughly a year. And for one cycle, the equal 365 days. Uh, Clue has been... So Flynn has been trapped in the grid for around a thousand years from his perspective. Yeah, so... That seems on... a little bit more believable in terms of him not being an absolute lunatic. Mm -hmm. um, I would say Jeff Bridges realistically could hang somewhere for a thousand years and mentally be okay. Yes. I don't know about the 575 <laughs> million. Yeah, he would stay <laughs> occupied. He'd keep his mind limber. Anyway, yeah. I I think that rules in mm -hmm. Tron. And it's part of the, you know, added to the list of reasons why we need more Tron mm -hmm. stories, no matter what format they may be in. Maybe uh, without they, Jared Leto. There's so, yeah, absolutely without Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> get James Franco instead. It it uh, there's just so much opportunity with that world, but anyway, I, I that is a concept that I love. Uh, Westworld continues to 
play with some of my favorite like concepts in sci-fi. And I think that's so cool. So anyway, I hope we get a little bit more of that, like maybe some more of uh, flashbacks or whatever they are of Bernard in the sublime, uh, because obviously a host's mind would not, I would think would be equipped to not fracture under the stress of existing for that long and absorbing that much information. Yeah, I mean, I think they 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 very much portray very quickly in that scene a bunch of very quick shots of different things, and it's meant to, I think, portray the time that, like, I think they're basically the way it's shown is Bernard and Akechita are talking, and then at some point Bernard goes back to the point where he like woke up in the Sublime, and you see a bunch of quick shots. Mm-hmm. And then he's back and talking to a Kachita. I think that's meant to show the eight millennia that he spent studying things. Because then a Kachita, that's when a Kachita's like, do you understand what's going on here? And mm. Bernard's like, I know the paths, the several paths that I can take, but I end up dead in all of them, basically. So they do show, like that scene encapsulates the eight thousand, the eight millennia that he spent that's looking awesome. at things, that's which so is cool. awesome. And it's like, but in the sense that he's like, hey, time is very linear in your world. In this world, things are very different. And so, like, kind of portraying that in this one scene, I think, is very cool. But That's interest- That's an interesting note, because if time is linear here, like, we know time moves in one direction in our world, or at least the way we perceive it. If Bernard is able to – if a host in the Sublime is able to perceive time in something other than linear, perhaps – he, I'm trying to phrase this. So he does do 8,000 years worth of, of research in that, but maybe he, in the way he perceives time, he, he almost never leaves that room with mm-hmm. a Kachita and the 8,000 years goes by quickly for him because he can experience time simultaneously, almost like yeah. Dr. Manhattan, basically. Yep. Um, yeah. I wonder. And anyway, Absolutely. These, this is, this is all very cool and I am super into it and I want to see a little bit more of this part of the sublime, I think. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, awesome yeah. opening. I want to know what Teddy's been up to in the sublime flashing that ass. As do we all. Yeah. Just walking around with assless chaps all the time. <laughs> it also, That's my sublime scene- world that I created. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I catch it also when he like sat or when it was, it made me actually laugh out loud when he goes and pours himself a drink. Cause I was like, what is, why? Like that yeah. is just really goofy. <laughs> yeah, the same like, thought. Why does this like, this trope exists? Mm, I love these bits that I'm yeah. putting into my digital mouth. <laughs> it reminded me of Cypher and being like, it's, I know yes. it's not real, but I don't care. But I also yeah. just thought of um, the, he reminded me of a little bit of the architect from the matrix. And that also mm-hmm. made me laugh, like just kind of that mm-hmm. same energy coming off of him at some point. And I, I thought of that Will Ferrell sketch uh, <laughs> and it's just, that also made me chuckle. And I was like, there's definitely some matrix kind of inspiration yeah. happening here. For sure. For sure. The uh, one thing I should know, Bernard, pro- the, the room that they're talking in is uh, it looks like the tower that Christina saw on yes. the walls in yep. the mental hospital. So mental yep. health center. So uh, maybe important to know who knows what that really means. And it looks like the tower is like uh, south of Manhattan. Maybe. I guess. Yeah. Or like that's supposed to be 
a representation of Manhattan. I mean, I don't know if the idea is that the, the sublime is almost like the upside down in Stranger Things, where it's kind of a mm. one a one to one of our world, but digital. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. I think it'd be more like the grid where it would be just like a digital frontier that you could just create on. Well, I think there could be any of those things, right? Because as Akechita's speaking, he's like, we have all the data of like the features that could have been and that are and all that type of stuff. So there clearly must be facsimiles of the real world in there too, but then there's other worlds that people have created, right? And one of them could be the grid and that's where Flynn Mm -hmm. hangs out or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't. I'm like, I take it. You can take it at at uh, take it with a grain of salt. But it looks as though that tower is located near New York, which is where it's in, Jer- it's in Jersey. Seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old. It's the... it's an old Tower Records that's been <laughs> retrofitted, repurposed. Yeah. Yes. I just uh, lo- I right. love the idea that the hosts in the Sublime. I guess if I'm the, if I'm speculating correctly, are able to use like probability and like behavioral data and science to they can't tell the future. They can just lay out every single possibility and every single probability, and therefore they can predict the future. Yeah, no, it's very much um, the uh, it's machine learning. It's the uh, Dolly, like we've talked about, uh-huh. in terms of like the making its own graphical uh, representations of strings that people feed it. Uh, you know, machine learning is a s- scary thing. It's so cool. <laughs> it's also very cool, but yeah, uh, I love, yeah, I love that. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, all right. I will say in the flashes that we see that Bernard experiences, it seems like there's images of the Hoover Dam in there. We see images of the tower that they're in. Uh, There's flashes of the motel that he's at at that time. And I'm sure there's other things that are in there. I didn't go through and pause and skim to really dig into it too much. Um, I think there is a Reddit thread where someone has done that and there's things in there, but I'm going to refrain. People can go and look at that if they would like to look at that. Yeah, I think I might. I'm curious. I just kind of let it, I didn't pause the TV or anything. I just kind of let it wash over me and I was like, same sick. Same. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up still in the cold open. Bernard awakens to a repaired Ashley Stubbs and says, get in loser. We're going to save the world. Um, Stubbs is healed. He healed himself or somebody healed him. Um, this is very much, uh, this borrows from the scene that we saw at the end of season three, uh, with, with Bernard, uh, turning on the machine to go into the sublime. And then when he comes out, the dust covered stuff, we thought Stubbs was gone. turns out he wasn't. So I went to go back and watch that to see if anything got kind of retconned or anything, but I don't, I didn't do that yet. Um, I but do yeah, love when no. West when Westworld does that. Like we thought Stubbs was gone, and there's going to be this whole mystery of like where's Stubbs, and instead he was just like not in the room. He was like <laughs> he was re- just he, off camera. Yeah, he, yeah, he was either standing <laughs> just off camera, or he just was like you know chilling. He just kicking back reading a book. Or I almost wish they showed the shot and he stepped into frame. That'd like, been cool. Yeah. That would have been even if it was just like green screened. He's just green screened in. Yeah. Like step in the frame, and then he's all of a sudden in the room. Anyway, uh, no, I feel like um, I f- I feel like 
they saw Thor Ragnarok and were like, oh, that Ashley Stubbs can be funny. He's got the funny in his bones in his <laughs> DNA somewhere. Let's, that uh, boy's let's, got the funny in his bones. Let's, let's let him be a little more funny. He's not just going to start the season wanting to like kill himself because he figured out that he's a host like he did in season uh, season three, I believe. But yeah, yeah, he's you know the 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 gap in talent between Chris and Luke, <laughs> and then Liam continues to expand into a yawning chasm. <laughs> yes, the two yes. The, the two older Hemsworths can can do anything. It seems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think he's funny. I think he 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 plays really well off of uh, um, Bernard and uh, like uh, Jeff Jeffrey Wright. I I'm guessing he can be very funny too. He see, he seems yeah, to, he seems to understand how to play Bernard in a way that makes him funny. Yeah, almost like in like T two Arnold, mm-hmm. like learned how to be like, oh, I understand what can make this this thing funny. Um, yeah, I, I really like their dynamic. It does feel like they've well calibrated them by the end of season three and now into season four to be Bernard as straight man and Stubbs as sillier, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, at the end of the sequence, <clears throat> I was like, I, I got like real weird, heavy, like heroes season one vibes coming mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And save I got the cheerleader, save the world, dude. And I just started getting amped, like, I, <laughs> yes. I just got excited because yeah. that there was something about the presentation and the writing and the atmosphere of hero season one that just like it just rocked it had like this mm-hmm. this just kind of energy to it and yeah with that yeah save the cheerleader save the world like you had this big uh, lofty goal and like target and it was it was kind of a road movie in a way like traveling to find people and recruit people and pull these threads together to try to and just something about them packing up that car and that dusty motel and like, I don't know, man, and, and the dialogue and the dynamic between them. I just was like, I'm getting that same kind of feeling. And it just made me so excited. I yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Same. Yeah, no, I, I very much enjoy it. There were some interesting things. The fact that Bernard, when he comes out of the sublime can like barely walk. And then he tells Stubbs that he'll meet him outside. And then when he walks outside, he's like completely clean and completely functioning. I don't know if it was just like he had to go into the bathroom and like shake himself like a dog who's like getting all the water off of him or what. And that just like freed up all of his joints. He just needed the oil can like the Tin Man to loosen himself up. I am curious. There's been some talk in the Discord. Mm. Are we going to bring the talk from the Discord into the show, into this show? I think we will. I think we will. Maybe we'll save it for later then. I I guess I'll just leave it with, I'm curious how long it would take for that level of presuming, because I remember at the very end of season three, when we saw Bernard covered in dust, I was like, oh, there's been some kind of extinction event or something like fallout that's blasted all this sand everywhere. Yeah. But then as soon as he came out of the sublime and it like showed him this one, I was like, oh, it's just dust. Yeah. Like if you went without dusting your house for, and you lived in a sandy environment, right? right? It's just yeah. atmos that's been mm-hmm. from Stubbs opening the door and cl- like who knows what Stubbs has been up to. But he doesn't Going have to get McDonald's. He doesn't have back. to eat though, right? I mean, <laughs> do they have to? I don't eat? know. I don't think I don't so. Know. 
Maybe I don't think they, they have to, but they just do it because it's part of the routine. I don't yeah. know. At any rate, I want to know how long it would take for that degree of like just simple like household dust to settle on somebody on like mm-hmm. an object. So like if you left a house closed for ten years, you know, is that the equivalent? Because I, I I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really curious yeah. now. Now now the wheels are really turning and saying, "Well, wait a minute." Yep. Exactly. Because yeah. Sub says he's been gone for years, B. And I'm like, well, yeah. is it seven years? Is uh-huh. it 20 years? 20 is years? It, is it two years? Like, we don't we don't know. <laughs> is and, it 576 million years? Yeah. <laughs> there would just be so much <laughs> so much skin Bernard would be under. <laughs> just trying to claw his way out of. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I think the show, it goes without saying, the show is trying to make us think that it's been seven years it's been the same amount of time that has allegedly passed for caleb and mave but yes now i think the old the old spidey sense is kind of tingling and in, in the discord and we're kind of wondering how long it really has it been yeah yeah i think yeah more on that later for sure i agree i think i assumed at the beginning i assumed the first time i watched this episode that it was like oh this is the seven or eight years you know yeah uh-huh. it's just dust. absolutely that's definitely the, what they wanted the to sand think. blew in the do- stubs left the door open when he went to get a new leg or whatever the fuck he did and then when he got back i was like oh I let all the desert in here and <laughs> then he closed the door and didn't clean it up i'm um, curious who how their hotel bill has been paid up for all this time yeah yeah maybe uh maybe dolores spoke to her siri last season and was like buy this hotel yeah maybe yeah maybe there's a whole spinoff of just stubs what stubs has been (laughs) stubs the bounty hunter or something stubs is the maintenance guy at the hotel he's the he's the chris elliott of the shit's creek (laughs) at that hotel he's the rolling shit (laughs) yeah maybe maybe i don't know these are the things uh, I'm interested in exploring in Westworld. Yeah. So many opportunities for more shows. Anyway, so the cold open. Cold open's we over. We got through I think the cold done. open. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, we're done with the cold open. Yep. 40 minutes Next in. up, Maeve and Caleb post up in Temperance's version of the Mariposa called the Butterfly Club to wait for history to repeat itself. Uh, yeah, so we're in Temperance, the park, and uh, very much... <sighs> I'm very, um, I think we're both a little bit hesitant with some of this stuff. And I, I was, think it worked better for me than it did for you. Yeah, I was but, very bored during all of this. Cause, and, and I think I understand more of why you're bored after watching it again. Because we've already been through the, hey, guess what? They're lazy and they just recreated the same thing seven times with different themes. Yep. We learned that with Shogun World in season two. So to see it again here, um, while it was fun to see like stand-ins for people like Hector and Armistice, because they're not the same host, but they're different in some ways, you know, uh, I think, I think it was very interesting to see it very baldly laid out like that, but I think they got there in season two, if I recall correctly, and I don't know that I needed it again. I kind of appreciated the fact that like the things that I liked about it was that Caleb got to react to what Westworld was and Maeve got to be like, here's how it really was. And to kind of like the conversation that they got to have over it, I kind of liked 
but the like let's pull into the saloon and we've got a pop song on the piano and you know here's these same lines that you've heard from the Maeve character all that type of it felt very rote and kind of tired and I get it I get it but I did like Caleb's fresh take on like what was going on and Maeve experiencing it a little bit as a guest rather than being one of the working hosts. I think I enjoyed some of that a little more than, than you did. Yeah. The two of them being able to kind of be flies on the wall for it and Maeve providing basically like a director's commentary almost was, it was cute. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, you summed it up. We, we, as the viewer, we got the gag, even in season one, after we were in the know with what was going on and we saw it happen again and again, and we saw Hector going through the motions, but Maeve being like aware that it's a loop. Like mm-hmm. we got it that, and the, the effect was achieved there. I mean, this, this sort of gag might've worked better if Maeve and Caleb were working their way through multiple worlds. Like if this had been the, the genre episode, and we Jean. and we Jean, and we blitzed through several different worlds and saw mm-hmm. the same Mariposa uh, encounter or robbery throwdown go by. I mean, honestly, the only part that happened during this whole temperance bit that I needed and that I thought was actually really good was the Dolores dropping the can mm-hmm. and Caleb mm-hmm. going to pick it up right away. I was like, that is cool. Like to me, that was a cool Easter egg. And then watching the whole, yeah, because then he pulls up in the car and he gets out with a Tommy gun and it starts playing Enter Sandman. And then... They didn't play Paint It Black, which was the... Right. You would think they would do like a jazz version of Paint It Black, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fun to hear Enter Sandman, but like... Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I I, I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work for me. I just straight up, I didn't like it. And I was like, you could have done the whole... You could have done this and just done it in like a really quick, like Guy Ritchie style montage of like the gangster getting out of the car. Or if they had stunt casted it, it would have been more interesting. It would have been uh, funny to me if it had been like John Bernthal and like, or, or, or someone like that, that then I would have bought more into it. I would Tom have been like Cruise. <laughs> yeah. I thought of the Austin Powers three <laughs> opening as well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, no, but that's no for sure. That that's kind of what I thought as yeah. I was watching it. I was like, if this had been stunt casted as like some, you know, a De Niro or somebody like that. I mean, they'll never get somebody mm-hmm. like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like someone of that caliber, it would have been it would have been a little bit more fun. But it, as it was, I just was like, this is just eating up runtime, and I'm not into it. And I get what they're going for, and they just need to get to it. Just cut the there. chase because they they let they had to let the whole thing play out. And I was like, it's not that iconic. Like we're we're good. Let's just get through. I get it. it. Yep. Yeah, I hear it. It also confirmed that I was way wrong with my theory that maybe these were all humans in there instead of hosts. But no, it, Temperance World or Temperance, whatever whatever we're calling it, is a very real park. Yeah, I think your thoughts could come to fruition elsewhere. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we very much talked about how that could be something going on with the Christina. Yeah, that's world, true. Right, but yeah. Christina anyway. World. <laughs> Christina <laughs> Bobby's world come to Christina world uh yeah and Billie Eilish you know like that was don't cool get me wrong I don't care about Billie Eilish but I'm I'm wanted I guess Ford is dead right so we don't get millennial Ford it's not gonna be fucking <laughs> candle box that's right I forgot about millennial Ford I forgot all about that <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, the Radiohead. I guess they ate yeah. through all the 90s music that they enjoyed. Oh my God, uh, some Gin Blossoms or something. <laughs> Blind Melon. <laughs> what is the name? Uh, what is the name of that? Um, like uh, uh, Four Non Blondes? No, but the the uh, you know the jukebox people on YouTube that do like old timey covers of uh, like jazzy covers of pop no. songs. Mm-mm, not familiar. Postmodern jukebox, like a <clears throat> postmodern jukebox. Hey, jealousy going in the. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, man, far behind. There's yeah. all the well, the well, maybe the uh, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I, I forgot about we talked about that. That's funny. <laughs> the Billy Irish song I just thought was cool. Actually, I did like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to be one of those older people who hates on Billy Eilish because I'm not a Zoomer or something. But I yeah. saw that meme the other day that uh, that Principal Skinner, where somebody <laughs> said, "Am I am I out of touch or is the music just bad?" And he, and he was like, "No, it's the kids that are wrong. It's not the kids me. that are wrong." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Anyway, uh, enough all right. That. Next up, Stubbs and Bernard stop to eat at the Rhodes End Diner, where Bernard picks a fight with two randos. Um, very much more seeing, uh, seeing Bernard. I kind of hope that we get a scene where Bernard is actually like seeing the possibilities in front of him, kind of like a like a detective vision kind of thing. Mm-hmm. To speak of video games, or you know, like. It would be cool to see them portray that in some kind of way where he's analyzing all of the details. Because you see him look at, he he studies that restaurant. And like the first thing that he gives that I didn't touch on in the cold open was like uh, Stubbs makes a joke about mm-hmm. getting a snow globe from the sublime. And he's like, well, there's some some of these possibilities where you make a joke about getting a postcard. I've already eliminated half, half of the possibilities, yeah, half. which is fucking awesome. It like, is. let me, I want to see the pie chart shrink as he's seeing all these things go off and has a beautiful mind's vision. Yeah. And like, I just, yeah, I, I, I can see it happening in Jeffrey Wright's face, which is great and yeah. awesome for him, but I want to see them try to portray it in some way. I hope that, I hope we get that. That would um, be really cool. Almost like, um, in the Downey Jr. Sherlock movies, which I yes. I don't really like, but like a little bit of that voiceover of like, here's what's going to happen and then see mm-hmm. if it does or doesn't. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I did laugh because I thought of, I thought this is Bernard is being Alex with like his spreadsheets, like min maxing <laughs> all of the, uh, <laughs> Bernard is, Bernard is min maxing the future. Right <laughs> exactly. <now>. Yes. <laughs> he's got a bunch of Excel spreadsheets in his mind. With a thousand Beautiful. tabs open, and he's like, "Okay, this is what happens." And then if, if it. yeah, close half the tabs, he made a joke about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll save as we keep them just in case. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, of course. But <clears throat> that's what I would do. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I thought that was so cool. And I, this, mm-hmm. again, this is very T two. Like, it's like Arnold going into the biker bar to get some clothes and get some weapons and some transportation. Just take out a couple randos, except they're not so rando after all, are they? Yeah. Yeah, I like the fight too. Like we got to see him fight some dudes in that like meat packing plant or whatever in season three, but this just seemed like a much more. They wanted more style out of it because they put on fucking Blondie and you know mm-hmm. get to like it's nice to see Jeffrey Wright get to kind of like unleash a bit and yeah, be a I badass. I bought it too. Like he looks yeah. like he could throw down. Like he he had like good physicality to him. 
I, I, I dug it. It's time for Jeffrey Wright's taken, you know, oh, phase of his career. Dude, Jeffrey Wright can be so intense. Like, I, I really loved him in the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Mm. I thought he mm. was so cool in those. And I, the scene between the two of them and Quantum of Solace in the bar is still one of my favorite scenes from that whole Bond era. I think it's so good. I think he could just, I think he could, he could have like an action thriller vehicle and be really great. I mean, that whole The Dark movie was like, I had so much oh, hope for that. I never watched that. Oh, you didn't? Uh, if no. you go if you go in with lower expectations, you might like it more. I went in with yeah. sky high expectations and mm. it did not live up. Uh, but that's okay. I should watch it again now that I'm a little bit more attuned with, with what it actually is. But was I that was the so director of Green Room? It was. Okay. It was um, not Macon Blair because he's the guy. He's in the movie. He's the guy in Blue Ruin and Green Room. Uh that's right. Jeremy Saulnier. Jeremy Saulnier, yeah. Another Frenchman. It was him. Like, and yeah, it was, that's part of the reason I was also so excited because both of those movies rock. Um, <laughs> he's an American guy. He's, yeah. He's, he's American, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's probably Saul, Saul Nier. Saul, <laughs> Saulnier. Beautiful. Better call Saulnier. Uh, yeah. Better call Saulnier and get, get another movie go- going. <laughs> We're oh, just slap happy yeah. at this point. Yeah. And the dad jokes are just trying to erupt out. <laughs> They're flowing. Yeah. Uh, so there's a statement that Bernard makes. He says, if I can trigger a certain series of events, then we still have a small chance of making it. And I was curious if you got any sort of... Um, what do you think that means? Like, there's a... Akechita very much says you want to save their world, you care about them. Almost in a sense of like, we're good, you know? We're going to exist no matter what. Come hang out in here. And maybe that's the fact that like, if the if the sublime is what's in the Hoover Dam, like I, like I think it is, and it's supposedly etched in stone, as the guy said in the, in the premiere of the season, mm-hmm. maybe if ruin comes to Earth or mankind... It doesn't matter what happens. The sublime is okay. It's in the data sensor center and it'll be all right. Yeah. That but, is curious. I mean, is it self-sustaining? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, Well, and I think it, I think the point of it was like the Hoover dam is a power, but, and if it's all solid state, I don't know, whatever we're getting into the weeds there. But I guess yeah. the thing that kind of struck me about that statement was kind of like, is he still fighting for, humanity or is he actually fighting for the existence of the hosts or, or both. what yeah or both yeah like what it, what does that mean it just meant it, fe- it felt like a you know then we have a small chance of making it and maybe he just means making it to a future where hosts and humans can coexist or something like that but yeah i think Ber- kind of i curious. think bernard kind of believes in the still believes in the dream of ford and like good dolores and seems to want to preserve life that seems to be his kind of his prime directive Mm -hmm. be it be it digital or biological um yeah yeah i don't know i like the idea that he has to he has to initiate some events though he can't just sit back and and choose his own adventure like he has to actually set things in motion and be part of the equation yeah rather than removing himself from the equation at least for now Yeah. yeah i dig that a lot Absolutely. 
I love all this stuff. I love all the Bernard stuff. I'm all in on yes, Bernard. For sure. Um, Uwade and Carver try to get Frankie packed to skip town, but she's still trying to reach out to Caleb. Her mom finally gets her to agree to go when a strange interaction with Carver tips her off to something being wrong. Um, I liked this. Once again, switching people out for hosts and they made it very obvious here. I think obviously like they want Frankie to recognize that something's wrong when, when he hands the bear back and there's blood on it, obviously. But like, I still got the chills down my spine when she's like, well, what, show me the move that you taught to bear bear and covers like what move you taught. What, what is that? <laughs> like I, I was, it, it reminded me of the conversation that we had of like, is William still William? Is host William, does he have the same feelings and history and things like that? Like, clearly there was just enough of a gap between this copy of Carver and Carver to not know what happened immediately before him taking place. Right. And, like, he just doesn't have the, like, warmth towards Frankie that actual Carver did. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's kind of illustrating why... William still wants the sublime because the sublime has a bunch of human data in it still. And they want to be able to make better copies of the humans to achieve their agenda is my guess. Sure. So yeah, I'm pulling a lot out of like a pretty inconsequential scene, not in a consequential, but just, no, like I think, that. yeah, I think that stands to reason for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts about Carver getting replaced? Mm -mm. It's just nice and creepy. I enjoyed the creepiness of that. I saw it all coming, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Good execution. Um, again, like Terminator Two. Yes, with his (laughs) stepmom or his foster his foster parents rather. Mm Hmm. Uh, Bernard and Stubbs meet a young woman who's part of an organization that associates themselves with the symbol of the maze. Bernard convinces her to bring them back to their home base in, quote, the Forbidden Lands, end quote. Um, so here we go. Yeah. I think we can bring it in here. Sure. My, my brother John, frequent uh, guest on this program, Westworld FM, uh, uh, and someone who will hopefully join us for some mid-season and post-season check-ins. Um, that'd be great brought up the fact that it appears that this woman that they meet on the road may be grown up Frankie and uh, I I scoffed at it at first and then the more I thought about it and when I rewatched the episode with it in my mind I very much was kind of like no I think he's on to something I think we might be heading there um so this kind of brings up that how long has it been uh question that you were asking earlier um because it seems as though people using the maze as a symbol and there being some sort of resistance isn't something that would be present seven years after and before like william and hale take power right it does it very much go yeah. ahead no no I'm, I'm sorry you go ahead no and so we we learned that uh one the people that 
that Bernard killed were trying to get into this organization and they were hosts themselves. Um, and that, that means that there were hosts trying to get into some secret organization that associates themselves with the maze. And it feels like that's not maybe currently going on in the timeline that we're experiencing with cave and Malib. Maven cave, cave and Malib. Hmm. That's where I'm at. Maven, Caleb, Mr. Man Factus. Uh, yeah. Cave and Malib. <laughs> that just yeah, makes I me wish know. Nick Cave was in this show. There's still time. Yeah, for sure. He'd be great. Um, Right Red Hand could have been on the piano, you know? Oh, dude, don't even <laughs> tease me with that. Uh, he could play a host sitting at the, sitting at the old honky tonk. Cranking, oh, yeah. one, cranking out some tunes. Drinking with old Bill. Yeah. He did um, play like a, like a, like a saloon uh, bard in the assassination of Jesse James, which is really cool. There you go. Yeah. He's got he experience. can reprise his role. There you go. Same guy and everything. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any specific thoughts about this? I mean, there's going to be more that we come to, but I don't know that it goes too deep. Um, <clears throat> I love a good, uh, a good resistance in like mm-hmm. movies and video games I, I again uh, it's a lot like terminator if 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 That's, this is older frankie and she's kind of a john not connor. not a john connor proper herself because i don't get the impression she's like the leader or the, the, mm-hmm. the head of it the figurehead but like maybe she's up not yet anyway. or something yeah that's true um it would also if the resistance might be yeah, I don't know. I'm really into that theory. If that is older Frankie and there's another timeline, I'm super down. I like some of the I like a good bit of timeline malarkey. Uh, <laughs> but I like the idea of a resistance a lot. And mm-hmm. I would want to know what event occurred to tip to tip off humanity that this is what Dulles has been up to. Yeah. But maybe it aligns the Christine, is it Christina or Christine? I cannot remember. Christina. Christina. Perhaps it aligns with the Christina timeline because they, there was that maze symbol on her like balcony. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe that timeline is concurrent with Bernard and oh. it is 30 ish years beyond. Well, and the if riots. she's in, if she's a, if she's a, Maybe she's a host in the park meant for hosts where humans are being controlled. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense because she kind of wakes up there. I don't know. But anyway, that, that might be. Yeah. No, I didn't think of that. I was almost kind of thinking that she could have been further in the future, but I think you're, I think you might be right. I think you could be. And the thing that almost makes it more, that's the thing. Every piece of evidence that I can, that I can bring into focus for this argument is kind of like both evidence for and against, because I'm like, I feel like they want me to think this and I don't know that it means like, it feels like it could be a red herring, but it might not be sure. And kind of the idea that maybe by the end of the season or maybe even halfway through, I don't know, we're going to unfold and unlock this timeline of like, you're going to see the moment that, like you said, the tipping point, maybe the unlocking of temperance and something, something that occurs there is the tipping point that allows William and Hale, Hale Loris to 
take over the world, right? And then bring about this world where there needs to be a resistance of humans. You know, I think that 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 season structure has happened previously where I think in season two, I mean, season one, really like learning that William wasn't young. William is in the past Mm -hmm. kind of works that way, but season two, even more so because you kind of got these two different timelines, Bernard remembering stuff. And you, you learn at the end of the season that whoever's been in Charlotte Hale's body for the later stuff has been Dolores it kind of feels like it recontextualizes in the same way. Uh, and not really something they did in season three, but is kind of present in season one and two. So it feels kind of like a return to form if we yeah. do get there. So, all right, John, I'm into it. I will, I will eat my hat that I, that I started this day wearing. <laughs> uh, and I, and I think, I think I've, I think I'm there. I think I'm on the train. Are you going to start at the middle of the hat and eat your way to the outside? Yes, I'm going to put a glass through the hat Okay, to make eggs in a hat and then eat the whole hat. Toast the middle section of the hat. You know. Sounds good. Yeah. Or you toast the whole hat. Anyway, this is stupid. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was was going somewhere. (laughs) Anything else in this first scene here? I don't Uh, think there's anything to... No, I don't think so. No. All right. Let's keep moving on. Caleb and Maeve watch Hector's robbery play out in the Butterfly Club in order to pose his dead bodies to slip into the underworld. We already talked about a lot of this. Enter Sandman was there. There's a point where Maeve flicks a dead fly off of the table. Uh, Maeve basically talks about how shitty these new hosts are. Any other thoughts? No. Bored. Cool to see Armistice again. I wish it was old Armistice, but I think she died. Yeah. Died, died. She didn't make it into the the Valley Sublime. Beyond, the Sublime. Yeah. I believe you're right. Frankie discovers that Carver has been replaced with a host and tells her mom, Wade, uh, tells Frankie to hide and then pulls the gun from the safe in their house. Uh, I was very happy that it wasn't still Wade or the mom being like, bro, it's fine. It's all good. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Like, it could have very much just been like, oh, don't worry about it. And then Carver comes in and, like, kills the mom or something, you know. I liked that she believed her daughter. And, I mean, she literally had blood on her hands, so it's kind of hard to not. Yeah, I did but, like that, too, that she knows her daughter enough to be like, oh, she's for real. This is serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For the for, for the writing, but also just the purposes of us as the viewer, it didn't have to just be dragged out into some ridiculous mm-hmm. sequence. Yeah, and the the tension in that scene I thought was very good, uh, just in general. Her kind of struggling to get the gun out and that kind of thing. Uh, Bernard Stubbs and their friend pull up to a laser gate in the desert. Not much else there. It was cool. Yeah, laser gate's fun. That was awesome. Uh, Maeve and Caleb stumble headfirst into the newest narrative in the park, Wyatt infiltrating the Mesa. Uh, this is something that I liked more than you. I think the, it is very meta textual of it all, but I think, I think John in the discord hit it on the head when he was kind of like, you know, if rockstar made a school shooting video game, there would be people who would want to play it. If Delos made a park experience that was about the massacre in Westworld, 
people would want to come experience it. And so the fact that it's like this ultra secret narrative that you can find your way, it's a quest line that you can end up at where you get to go. They, they literally constructed a section of the park that maybe works to service the park, but also is a part of the experience. There are hosts down there that are acting as guards and can be killed with the guns and they're not just humans, that kind of thing. I kind of really enjoyed that idea because we haven't quite touched that ground yet in, in Westworld. You do a little bit because there's a woman that says at the beginning of the temperance stuff, like, Oh, there's a new quest line that's even deeper than pariah or whatever. And pariah was this quest line that old William went on young, young William went on with Dolores that kind of became a quest line later on in like the later timeline. But I didn't recognize any of that at the time. And it feels a lot more cohesive with this thought kind of playing out in front of me. So I could just be a little stupid, but I, I liked, I liked what was going on here. I was kind of waiting to see Felix and uh, Sylvester. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I miss, I miss them. Anything else? I guess it, it lends some credence to that idea that Delos and or Delos controlled by hosts wants to just pull humanity as far down as they're willing to go mm-hmm. or rather give them enough rope to just continue to just hang themselves. Yeah. Um, with like debauchery. I just, I don't know. I'm just bored of the, a lot of the park. I feel like we've spent, so much time in these like maintenance areas of the park over the past three years, especially just, I, I'm just kind of like, oof, I'm good. Let's get yeah, out. They here. really got their money out of that set. Yeah. It's Although cool. Like probably it, it's neat it to see it. Destroyed it multiple yeah. times. <laughs> it's neat to see it. It's, but again, like even just, you know, Maeve running around and waving her hand at things and opening doors mm-hmm. and turning, I'm just kind of starting to get a little bit tired. I'm like, okay. Yeah as much as I love the performance and I love Tandy Newton and it's just starting to kind of, I'm kind of getting to be ready. ready to well, move. and do you think that could lead to maybe a death of Maeve? Does it uh, feel like they've done everything they can do with Maeve? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. That's kind of up to them. I think yeah. Maeve still needs to find there's got to be a reason Maeve is still willing to live and willing to, to go to these lengths uh, to try to stop William. And then, I mean, I don't know if it's just simple, as simple as her wanting to do the right thing or what, but it would be cool to get some clearer motivation for her at this point, unless Mm -hmm. she's like in love with Caleb and wants to help him. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And even then I might, I might kind of be like, "Mm." I don't know if I'd buy into that. Fair enough. I would just got, I think I just need to know more about that. But anyway, I'm getting a little tired of the park. That's all. Okay. Uh, Maeve and Caleb discover that the flies are being loaded with some form of parasite. Maeve hears tones that Caleb cannot and proceeds to unlock a door in the direction of said tones. Uh, this is where we see the drone uh, bots kind of transporting maggots that I assume have like guest fluids in them, which is a pretty ingenious way of like, collecting the data that William wanted from the humans um, that are in the park. Uh, And then um, Caleb mentioned like, Hey, there's a black goo. Does that look familiar? I think is something that he said. Mm -hmm. Did that, have we seen the black goo before? I don't know. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't think we had, but that makes me think otherwise. Um and then Maeve hearing the tones is very much the song that other people cannot hear in Christina's world, I think. Yeah. You know. For sure. Seems to be how they're broadcasting to the flies and you know, maybe that's how they push the narratives out to the humans in Christina's world. Yeah. I did like that sequence. I like that. That kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh, there's something she can hear that he can't like that. Yeah. And that, I oh, like extra how... sensory perception is pretty, is pretty creepy to think that there's all this subliminal information being thrown around that we just can't even literally cannot detect. You talked about the sound design. I liked how the tones kind of were something that you would have heard in Ramin Javadi's uh, score, mm-hmm. you know, for some of the, some of the soundtrack. I think that's cool. And the fact that it like sticks out in that way uh, is interesting. Yeah. Sound. The effect sounds can have on us is really cool. Like I, I the just the science of all that, I think is really interesting. Whether, you know, even if you're aware and you're bracing yourself for something, it still can just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Like they say, I know that I, I read something a long time ago that said something about like the most, stress inducing sounds that like people can hear. And I know that like they said like a, a baby crying, like, mm-hmm. or, or maybe a parent's own child specifically crying is like super high on the anxiety meter and like the stress. Yeah. And it's funny because like literally I think last night or very, very recently, the last couple of days I was holding my baby daughter and she was crying and I was like, you know, I'm okay with this. Cause like, I know she's going to calm down or like I've done whatever I need to do to address it. And she's going to stop. And I was like, it's not going to stress me out. Like I, I have a grip on the situation. I don't have anywhere to be. There's nothing else. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was nothing that would no was, external pressures, right? There was nothing from preventing me from like just standing there and rocking her until she calmed down. So I was like thinking about this exact fact, like, Oh, I know that's supposed to really stress you out. And so I was like, okay, it's cool. I'm cool. It's fine. Like there's no, I got nowhere to nothing. But then like, you know, so I was kind of doing my thing. And then I realized I was clenching my jaw really hard <laughs> without thinking about it. And so then I was like, son of a bitch. It's like, it's mentally, like I was kind of like, I think, and at least on a conscious level, I was like, I'm cool. Like, it's fine. It's going to yeah. stop. And which I f- have found to be the key with like a new baby for mm-hmm. me is just the understanding that it will stop and you it'll be fine. Cause sometimes in the moment it's really hard to remember that. But yeah. in this moment I remembered that and I was like, okay, fine. But then like still my f- physiologically, my body was reacting to it in a way that mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, I probably had like my fingers, like my fists kind of somewhat tightened and like I'm, I was tense in like my, my neck and my shoulders and my jaw was clenched. And I was like, this is really interesting how this is just affecting me, even though I'm trying to will it not to. It's still, yeah. I have no choice. I'm compelled. Yeah. Um, a lot like these. That, I guess that's why the notion of these flies, like taking people over and, and just making you act against your will is so creepy to me. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Maybe more on that in future episodes. Yeah. Uh, Carver enters the Nichols home looking for Uwade and Frankie, but they're both hiding. He eventually finds Frankie in a closet before the scene cuts to black. Not a whole lot more to say there. I actually rewound um, it because I was like, did, did HBO screw up? Like, it cuts to black so quickly and then moves right to the next scene. I was like, yes. it was a weird cut. <laughs> it was a very strange cut. 
Uh, Stubbs, Bernard, and their new friend meet the rest of their crew. Bernard promises to help them find the weapon buried in the sands that they're looking for. So the Forbidden Lands, I forgot to bring that up. Where do you think the Forbidden Lands are? Where do I think they are? Yeah. The only thing I could initially think of, I was like, is it the site of, like, the former Westworld? I don't know. The old Westworld? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my thoughts, too. But you think it would be guarded in some capacity. Well, it had a laser gate that you couldn't see, and if you walk into, you die. That's true. I forgot about the laser gate. And also the fact that it might be decades beyond when it was relevant. Well, and they, like, drove there, and there's part of me that's, like, have all the oceans dried up? Because, like, Westworld was in the seas somewhere, as we kind of know. So now I'm kind of like, is it where... uh, Is it an old Delos facility? Or is it where Temperance is buried way into the future? Ah. Or, like, something like that? Like, maybe, like, maybe Maeve gets, like encased in carbonite below temperance and they're gonna she's the weapon that they're trying to to pull out (laughs) that'd be cool or if it's not old bill (laughs) i'm not as interested but it could still be very good like old bill's the gold medal but if it's mave or I don't know, one of these other... If it was Maeve, that'd be really cool, actually. That'd be really, really cool. I was curious, because that... I mean, yeah. Because the William thing- William and, and... William and Hale want Maeve... Off the board. Yes. Yeah. And they want... I, I'm guessing not only do they want her off the board, but they, there's something within her that they want. I mean, same mm-hmm. with Caleb. We don't know what it is yet, but for some reason, Hale wants Caleb. So there's something between the two of them. I want to use Caleb for something. Yeah. Well, and I guess the other thing that, that leads me to, I had the thought in the, in the, um, discord, maybe this is leading to the decrepit, like future that William is being tested for fidelity in. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's making, making a good William versus a bad William (laughs) showdown between the man and white, William, the white and William, the black, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man the black and white cookie of westworld <laughs> oh my god i'm so fucking into it i'm so down if so now is... the only Ugh. i was gonna say the only other thing is we did see uh the walt disney william earlier in episode two frozen william yeah. william on ice is <laughs> somewhere william on... <laughs> <laughs> a william on the rocks is is buried somewhere maybe um so wow the pod there's so many uh, i'm so geeked for this i i this it's is great this is my favorite stuff it's great i think this is like this is such a incredible course correction and i feel like i do remember us talking in season three being like maybe this set the table for something really great and i think they're starting to pull it off so maybe it's teddy maybe teddy's the weapon teddy's yeah it's definitely he's in the background of every shot I he don't is know if a, you know this. a weapon yeah, yeah <laughs> somewhere he's standing there oh you're saying maybe teddy is the weapon yeah yeah that's right that's what john brought up is that maybe <clears throat> teddy is the weapon and uh he's there to teach haloris love again aka just flashing that ass and being like all right come to papa <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to make some right. to make some nice Olive Garden jokes, some well-timed <laughs> Olive Garden jokes. 
Maybe the weapon is Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh. It could be. Sanic. Sanic, yes. Uh, Maeve and Caleb, what did I call them? Cave and Maleb? Cave are, and Maleb. Uh, they find a bunch of humans being experimented on, forced to perform a task, and then kill themselves. Maeve sees Frankie on the monitor, and Caleb races out to find her. Uh, we see the deputy assistant AG, or assistant deputy AG, whatever the hell he was from the last episode there. He, he kills himself. Um, she may very much feels that these are not hosts, I think. Uh, yeah. And that's why she's like, these are humans. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not a whole lot more there. Caleb watching Frankie doing things that he doesn't want to do. Very sad. Yeah. Aaron Paul, man, he sells the shit out of this. Yes, he does. He's really good. His uh, his bang wig bothered me less in this episode for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Last couple of things here. Maeve opens the door to let Caleb get to Frankie, but then notices a fly in the room with them. She turns to go after him, but William shows up to get in her way. Eventually, she learns that William has become a host. This was awesome. Yes, this is where now we are. We have arrived at yes. full-on subterranean men in black, in black <laughs> stalking through the the maintenance tunnels of Westworld. The promise of everything we wanted in, in Westworld season one. Uh, yeah, no, I really love that fight too because like William's still fucking bad at fighting. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a host, he still kind of sucks, and Maeve is still really good. Like, she yeah. gets his gun out of his hand and then shoots him a bunch of times. The only time, the only reason he isn't dead is because she didn't know he was a host, you know? Right. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. but interesting to me that she didn't know that he was a host potentially for like seven years here, you know? Like, yeah, that's true. That she couldn't detect it either. I thought she could have some kind of, there was some sort of invisible, yes. intrinsic field that was like, oh, I can see that you're a host. And, but maybe he needs to have some kind of, um, some kind of, he's got some kind of firewall or something. But yeah. anyway, we're getting close to the end of my time here. So I'm going to speed through some stuff. Okay. Um, cut back to Frankie in the closet. She shoots Carver with a BB gun. He stumbles back and Wade manages, manages to shoot him with an actual gun. They escape down the street. And then, uh, Robo Frankie's face opens up and flies swarm Caleb at the end of the episode here. That was so, freaky. Freaky Frankie. Very freaky Frankie. Uh, cool stuff happening. I don't know that there's a ton else to touch on, but I think, uh, I think we're seeing some awesome stuff. I'm very, I haven't felt this good about Westworld. I think since season one, honestly, maybe start of season two. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I feel better about this episode now having talked through it, but initially I was kind of like, Ugh, like I, yeah, I hear you. But and because, and I, because I, we're able to blast through the temperance stuff and talk about the actual good shit. I'm more yes. excited. I think, I think we're, I think the, the park stuff existed to kind of be like, this is the tool that William and Hale have to turn, to make their reality come true. They have yeah. a park in the States to mm-hmm. churn out, more hosts that are actually human copies. Um, so I, I have to wonder if, you know, this is like pretty much all that we're going to see of like the park and that kind of thing. In the I season. hope so. So I want, I want stuff about the, the revolution, yep. the future, the resistance, whatever. Yeah. I'm ready to just get, yeah, keep moving, moving all forward. I'm glad it's only eight episodes because I feel like they have to be more 
deliberate in their pacing. Yes. Um, Absolutely. They, they have to, they have to, yeah, keep things moving. Cause the, did the roadmap account for five seasons or six? I think it was five. I think it was five. I was about to say six. <laughs> it's not six seasons in a movie, but I think it's five. So, okay. I don't so, know. We'll have so, to go yeah. back and look at those comments. I was going to rewatch the William, future William uh, thing. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff I need to go back and check. So, all right. Sounds like we both like this episode. Yeah. Thumbs up. For sure. Yep. It's very cool. Time for the outro. Uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Podcasts. You can email us at westworld at uh, westworldfm at gmail.com to send in corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week. We're excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. Bye.